0: five men talk four solution focused therapists born in four different decades who openly and honestly discuss their perspectives on the issues surrounding men's mental health the things that stigma says we don't talk about hello everyone so this week we're going to be talking about men's health and well-being so that's a big broad term when we talk about men's health and well-being so just to get a feel from everybody what it means to them really um we'll, we'll see what we think so Ben when we say men's health and well-being what does that mean to you
1: um so it covers both things doesn't it you know a lot a lot of it's around what you eat how you look do you work out do you go to the gym but also I think it's about do we look at going to the doctors when we need to or do we avoid it do we get checked out and there's a problem or do we find that a difficult thing to to deal with and in a mental health perspective do we feel we can talk about it? That's kind of the theme of all our podcasts. Uh, can we recognise when we need to get help? Or do we just bury it and walk away from it and hope it'll all sort itself out?
0: Yeah, and I think that's a true thing um, with a lot of men. It's not just the mental health that we talk We talk about. that. That's the whole reason we're doing the podcast is we acknowledge that maybe there is a slight issue with men talking about their mental health and wellbeing. But it does go to that physical level as well, I think, um, where people, men in particular, don't necessarily come forward as quickly as they should do when it comes to their physical health, not just their mental health. What do you think, Peter? Yeah, I think it's it's a really good point. And um, I think when
2: we talked about the man flu, there was that study that I I mentioned by, um, I can't remember his name now. Um, but that doctor from Canada who said that men suffer worse with flu because it's a viral thing and they don't come forward earlier. So certainly from a, a, a medical perspective, I know men tend to try and struggle through and, and kind of survive. Um, you know, my, my view on well-being, it's, it's kind of weird because I've gone through times before well-being was a term. And I remember the first time that I remember it, I went to a gym and someone talked about wellness as opposed to illness, and I kind of, it, it, I don't know, it sort of, it made the gym feel weird for me, because um, <laughs> it was never, it was never a term like that before, you know, you'd never, you'd never looked at your wellness, you just, you were in health, or you were ill, and then this term of wellness, and then now well-being, kind of came into being, and it was a bit strange, and it felt a bit weird, Um, I, but I kind of just ignored it, and carried on going to the gym. Um, but yeah, from, from my perspective, I think we, I I said this, I've said this on a couple of our podcasts that I've been very, very lax at coming forward when my health has been poor and it's got to the point where I've been sort of almost at breaking point. And I don't know if that's something for people of my, of my era, you know, where we were born in the seventies and you just kind of, you had to try and work through and you had to try and just, um, Get on with things. So, I think you know, from from my perspective, that's where that's where I kind of saw my wellness and my and my mental health. What about you, Gary? Well,
3: it's interesting because um, well being was you only dealt with it if it was what I now know is acute. So, if you broke your leg, you went and got it fixed. Yes. Everything else, you just worked through it. In my head, I and mean, in my sort of generation, I think we just worked through what now would be an illness or whatever. Um, and I remember my my stepdad who who died a few years ago, I think he died of prostate cancer, but he never told anyone. And when he got to the point where he was near the end of his life and his in hospital, his testicles were black and just about the size of a football. But he'd never told anyone, he'd never been to the doctors. He tried to just work through it. Yeah. To the point it killed him, and I don't know whether it killed him early or not. I don't know if there was any background, but he never dealt with it.
2: Yeah, I, I remember my my father probably probably a similar sort of age to your stepdad or, or close to, mm. him. and he he um, had an accident at work where a piece of glass fell and nearly cut his foot off. And he, I mean, he had to go to the hospital to sort that out. But you know, he never mentioned that to me. It was almost like he didn't want me to know that stuff was going on. Um, and I think that's a, a common thread certainly of of my age group and and um, and maybe people that are a little bit older than me that they' they don't really want people to see them at their worst or see them as weak and don't don't really report those things to people.
1: that links in with um, so like the Daily Mail. They did an article um on on men and men's health and you know out of a survey of a thousand people that they did, how many do you think actually didn't look after their health or didn't check it or put off going to the doctors I'd probably say a high eighty percent so three quarters will put off going to the doctor and they show signs of illness and you know if you take that and look at things like testicular cancer um you know forty four percent of men aged 18 to forty have never checked themselves for t- t- testicular cancer. And equally, a small percentage of people could list a single warning sign of prostate cancer. Yeah, 19%, in fact, couldn't identify yeah. one single warning sign of what prostate cancer might we, be. And it's like the taboo subject, isn't it, that we, we don't yeah. talk about, they can't bring themselves to talk about it. And it does actually say in that article, a lot of people say see it as a sign of weakness.
3: I think it's worse than that for my generation. So it's interesting because I was teaching... Um, well-being uh, teaching therapy students in Norwich this weekend. and we was in a sports center as part of Norwich University and every time we went for a way above the urinals there was a, a thing of how to check yourself for testicular cancer which I've only ever seen ones around breast cancer before and it was great to see in this university building a whole picture diagram of how you process and, and do that whole Check in scenario um and that was really helpful um but i'd never seen that before but i can tell you different to what you said ben in my generation going for a prostate check was always about having a finger inserted in your back passage and i can tell you dozens of people i know men i know would say i'm not going because they're going to do that to me and I'm not gay, was mm. their words. And I'm, you know, there's, I'm not going to put any connotations to it. And checking your own balls would make them feel, oh, maybe this means, because I'm, you know, I don't know what it means. So I'm not doing it because men don't do it and I'm not gay. And that's a terrible statement. But for my generation, they didn't do it because. That's a bit weird to have someone do that to you. It makes me laugh you say, you know, blokes
1: find it weird feeling their own balls, but yeah, they're happy to have a wank.
3: <laughs> they're happy to play
1: with that bit downstairs when they want to, but they, hey. they get to touch it <laughs> to, I've check never, to
3: see if there's something that could kill them. And I've never been to a football match on a Sunday where the subs aren't all got their hands down their trousers tracksuit <laughs> bottoms, <laughs> yeah. you, know. you know. It's a weird thing, Um, but it's the connotations, I guess. And I, I hopefully, I mean, Christopher... Is that still the case?
0: I mean, it's not like the education and the awareness isn't there because there's been a lot of push for this kind of thing lately and over the past few years, certainly. So I think they're putting out a lot of awareness. So for me, I don't understand it. I don't understand why people are still in this mindset where they don't want to do these things for whatever reasons because we've been told certainly how i've been told since i was at school about these things and how important it is and how normal it is and it's been very much normalized for me in my generation and um, i so it baffles me that that's that those statistics are still as high as they are because how much more can you do with the awareness and education that's already being put out there
3: i totally agree but the second part to the question was about well-being and I've always, until I got involved heavily into wellbeing, it was always a very sissy sort of word, bit bit wussy. And it's interesting because I was watching TV uh, this morning and Dame Kelly Holmes was on there talking about a new book she's got out and, you know, the struggles she's been through. But she said when she was winning her double gold medals, she went through a breakdown and she had a breakdown. And she said... When she was in the army, it wasn't talked about. And mental health wasn't talked about. 2006, this dialogue we're having now was not on the agenda for anyone. So even having those mental health crises, as we now call them, there was no such thing. It wasn't, you know, she she said she was the first person of celebrity, you might say, first sportswoman, to come out and talk about her mental health. In two thousand and six, it just wasn't done. And I come from the era where, you know, talking about well-being, only people with jostics who burn joysticks and have feathers in the hair would be talking about that. And I remember going business networking, and if you said you was a therapist, you'd lose half the room instantly. They wouldn't talk to you because you was a bit, you know, talking about that sort of weird stuff.
0: Absolutely, and. Where I talk about the education and awareness of the um, physical health things that men suffer with, that was certainly there. But this, the well-being and mental health, is something that is
3: very new in schools and very new in. Um... I know Doctor Who starts this week, but you know, that's taken taking the mic.
2: Who's the new doctor?
3: It's a guy who was in sex education, I think. Yeah, Black right. guy, the guy gay black guy oh yeah i think
1: it is him is not it
3: yeah 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 should be fab
1: oh cool
3: he's gonna add lots of uh sparkle to it again because it's meant to be doctors are always meant to be a bit fruit loop
1: what are you trying to say
3: you'd be a good gay doctor. people are fruit loops you know you that's what i this. took away from that did you
1: hear that <laughs> yeah. Gay people
3: yeah. are fruit loops did that, did, that offend, did that offend you wow unbelievable gary and did we've you, got that
2: recorded as yeah. well so
3: yeah. that, was it offensive or yeah it was. Or did i offend you because there's a real definition i that's know that's offensive yeah that was yeah. offensive <laughs> this yeah. could
0: come out as a scandal in a few years time you know yeah
3: well it's on record so colin the caterpillar's lost his job <laughs> there's been naked pictures of him seen on the internet jesus anyway where were we so you're talking about the education and you not having the opinion i have so
0: yeah like i said the education i think is been there for a while with the physical mental health of men's issues and different things like that but I think the um, education around mental health is still very new it was certainly something we never crossed over when I was at school something we never talked about and you're saying that well-being is a bit of a, a sissy a girly way of talking and I think you're still right in that because I mean a lot of my working background is in trades in building and doing things like that so that environment still has that sort of mentality where you don't talk about mental well-being, certainly. and Well-being in general is a bit of a girly way to talk about it, you know. Um I think that is still a bit of a stigma going on now. I don't know we use that word a lot, stigma, but I think that is still a bit of a thing that's sticking in there. However, saying that, I find a lot of people from my generation are much more active at going to the gym, much more active at um, doing positive things on their days off not just vegetating on a sofa and i think that there's a lot more um, acceptance of my generation to go out and do different things to strike out of the normal realms so while the language around it i think is still a little bit taboo and some men are a bit too proud to say it in those ways i think the shift is slowly happening in that in that realm people are starting to act differently about their own well-being whether or not they talk differently about it I don't know I think I think it's a good point and
2: I think it's it's clear that the physical well-being has come a long way and so Mm. the whole thing of going to the gym and and doing the exercise that's something that people are really happy to talk about but then when you get to the mental well-being of, of things people then tend to clam up a little bit more you know they don't they won't talk about how those feelings are and what those things are um, unless they're given the right kind of uh, the space to do it, and, and yeah, I don't know if that's something that will change. I hope that's something that will change over time because it becomes more normalised. But I think that's with the gym; it's it's been that way. You know, when gyms first started, you you didn't really you didn't see a lot of men going to the gyms, and now it is something that they do more of.
1: Do you think it's gone too far the other way though? Because I like, think you've got social media now where it's body image central. If you don't do these things you're not good enough. And I, again, I saw on the news, uh, it was that there was a guy who couldn't go to the gym because he was gay, and he would be harassed and intimidated by the people in the gym, and had to set up his own business in order to overcome that. But the reality is, is that it should be
0: a safe thing for you to do wherever you are, whoever you are, but yet he couldn't. So do you think that it's not so much people are doing this for their well-being, but they're actually mm. doing it to live up to the standards? So it, we, we say that we're doing it for our own good, but actually we're doing it because we're pressured and we feel that we have to have that amazing body or that amazing level of fitness. I mean, as you can see, I'm at the gym most days um, and...
3: You, only you? Get... you go to the yeah. gym, Chris. Yeah, most days,
0: yeah. But so what, you're Absolutely. the cleaner?
3: You're the cleaner because you've obviously <laughs> never seen the equipment.
0: <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: but but there is. is it because people, they're not doing it for the right reasons? Like you said, it's, it's about living to that unrealistic body image. I mean, I don't think, as men, we talk about that enough for a start, this unrealistic body image that we're portrayed. Yeah, I mean, we can't all look like me. We can't the- all be Chris Hemsworth
3: but we that takes us into a completely different field though because if they're going to the gym for their well-being it's different to going to look right and if you need to look what society says you need to look like then it's a mental health condition as far as i'm concerned if you're focused on i've got to keep doing i've got to keep doing because i've got to look like this then are you doing it for the right reasons well I haven't got the stats on it, but I've seen a number of times, and I can't tell you exactly where, that being physically well toned and muscled and you know more than normal is actually detrimental to your physical health. So there's a balance. so you know overdoing anything is not good for your physical health, but actually if you're overdoing it is that a mental health issue. That you've got to keep up with the joneses i think
0: it's mental health 100 percent. i think you're right but what, where do we talk about the warning signs for that how do you know you're stepping across those lines now, i've never ever ha- heard anybody talk about the warning signs of going down that lot to going down that road i mean we we know warning signs of eating disorders we know um warning signs of um things like that but when it comes to over exercising when that exercising becomes an addiction or an obsession where are the warning signs for that where do we where do you find those how how do you know that you're going
3: there yeah but you could just say i'm super fit and i'm a gym bunny
0: and i need and i'm i want to be a bodybuilder where where does that come in
3: so i don't think it's about over exercising i think it's exercising because i've got to look a certain way Mm -hmm. and that will often lead to then misuse of Chemicals to because you can't physically train hard enough to look like that. You just not your genes just aren't made up like that. You know, I I'm the height I am. I've got the hairstyle I've got because that's in my genes. I can't really change it unless I then get you know go for surgery or go for take certain stimulants or whatever so I fit in. And you know, for for me, the warning signs are when that becomes more important than any other part of your life yeah and you and I, see that a lot and you get a lot of
0: warnings on like gambling websites and yes. things like that nowadays but again this is something that's never spoken about these these warning signs of when you're doing something that should be good and healthy when are you doing it for the wrong reasons you know that that never really gets mentioned and i think that's a really t- important topic to start educating people on
3: as some someone who 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 treats a gym like I treat um anything which I don't like, which is I stay away from it. <laughs> um, it, it's it's interesting because they are great for exercise, they are great for health, but it's when that becomes more than that. Well, how, how you know? How do you know you've slipped from that? I'm going to keep fit. So i've got to look like everybody else one of my biggest pet hates and i've been to the gym of course um steady. not 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 often not often during the war but so during, <laughs> steady but one of the things you see a lot you get somebody who is really obese who's really unhealthy they go i don't want to be like this and they go to the gym mm. and it's not because they're gay It's not because they're black. It's not because they've got any obvious thing. They're just hugely unfit. But they've decided to get fit. And the only place to get that sort of fitness is going to the gym. But then you see people walking around, barely clad, flexing their muscles and intimidating you just because they're looking at you and it feels like they're judging you. And quite often they are. I know a lot of people who body shame. Yeah. Because they've got a good body. Mm. So those people who mostly need it for their well being don't actually go because going to the gym is really intimidating.
0: And, and and I think that's true, even not to those extremes of somebody who's massively overweight or unhealthy, even for me, because I'm not a regular gym gym goer, like even though I said I was, I'll be honest. And I'm not the fittest, I'm not going to be the strongest. And you do feel awkward when you walk into a gym and you don't know how to use a piece of equipment. You don't want to ask. I mean, we're men. We're a bit too proud for that, aren't we? You know, and it is awkward even for somebody who has a basic level of fitness, but isn't super fit like everybody else in the gym. And I think there's another thing that we've not mentioned as well. um, Something that genuinely does put me off going to the gym. Will I get accused of um being a creep because that happens an awful lot in gyms now being accused of looking at people while they're exiled looking at women particularly being accused of doing things like that in gyms that happens awful lot nowadays so you it's sometimes can be an environment that you just don't feel welcome you know and that is a problem for men's
3: well-being well ben said earlier that he's you know there's somebody talking about having to set up his own gym because he found it too intimidating. You're saying it from two or three different perspectives. As I've said it. So actually, for some of us, gyms are quite toxic.
1: I think they can be, yeah. I think, it, you know, obviously that comes down to the management
3: of them. But there is. if I said to each
1: of you now, you know, if you think of that bench press and the free weight section in a gym, who do you expect to be there? It's probably the meathead, undesirable arsehole people who work, go to the gym and create that atmosphere.
3: Yeah it's interesting you know because you know it you're saying that the super fit are stopping the unfit getting fit yeah in that s- scenario i mean there was a thousand other ways we can do activity but actually if that is a, a simple solution the solution is not available because of the atmosphere one of the other things will change in the subject christopher i don't know you're
1: but you were leading it chris you know yeah that's <laughs> why i said well yeah.
3: connection issues you know oh, but, but, get knocked off the perch i know so you you know you lost your chance but question for for things so going back to my younger years they have uh, things called betting shops i know they still got them now but if you went into a betting shop everybody knew you went into a betting shop so you was somebody who's gambling. If you went into there there was always um, what do they used to call them? I think they call X shops or something like that. Private like private like lines or something like that. And it was a sex shop. You have Anne Summers now. How many men go into Anne Summers? Because it's like, well, I don't want to be judged. And if you take that thing. And I'm wondering whether they care for mental health, we have things like man sheds and different group scenarios men's mental health clubs so if you go into that does that automatically label you so people not seeking help because if you walk into that shop you're now categorized so does that make sense i don't know if i've asked that very well
1: well i mean i I know i get what you're saying about the sex shop you know people walk in they'd be like dirty old man going in a sex shop
3: yeah so it's the same thing happening when you go. There's a man shed, so it's like, oh, I can't let anybody know I'm going there because they'll think I'm depressed or they think I've got a major mental health problem. They're going to stigmatize me.
2: I think it's a uh, mix. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Chris. I think it's a mix because what what happens is you're right. The physical. I think the physical man sheds. If you're going into a physical place then yes, people do think that they might get judged. But because we've got social media now, there are so many social media groups that you can go to and be a part of Mm. without actually being judged, because you're in the group with those people that are are like-minded. And I think that feels a little bit easier for people, because there's a touch of anonymity in the social media world.
3: Except everybody knows you're in there who's in there because you have to join yourself i'm not saying it's a bad thing i think it's a wonderful thing but you actually anything you're putting yourself out for you've got to open you know open up
2: yes but it feels a bit distanced i think i get i get the impression from talking to people on on a few of these groups that they're more comfortable talking about a group Mm. because you're not actually talking face to face you're talking through the keyboard than the computer and i think people tend to find that easier um, but, yeah, I think you're right, Gary. I think it is, it's It's when when you have those face-to-face man-sheds, it can be very difficult for people to feel like they can access them because they do have that that stigma attached. They don't in society. It's a great thing to do. It's a great place to go. But I think people have that stigma attached in their own minds of them.
1: I find that hard to... I'm listening, and I find that hard to sort of say because i don't feel that i feel that i could just i would be comfortable going to that but i'm sure as you say you know it it is a big issue for people um i think it's changing i feel like the vibe's changing it might be maybe it's generational more than more than you know perhaps you and gary say it i don't feel like i couldn't go to those things maybe that's because i come at it from a, a therapist point of view as well now i but, uh, yeah i don't know i'd be interested to actually see what people think about it because i see everywhere i go like there's you know there's banners in the town saying come and have coffee in the morning for the men and let's have mm-hmm. a chat um you know men's mental health men's talk let's do this let's do that i know there's multiple walking groups that go out and, mm. and exercise and just go for a walk together as a group whether you're from that same background yeah. in, in, in a business community or, or your community so it becomes a I want to almost say that we we've kind of become like the women's coffee morning, which sounds a bit sexist, but you know that 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 old old sort of ideology that women would get together, have coffee with their kids, or and they still do that baby groups and stuff, and it's kind of that vibe I think now where it's okay to go and have a cup of coffee with your mates, with your bloke mates, and go for a walk for an hour or something, can just chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that the old saying, fishwives used to chatter about and gossip about everybody and all the rest of it. In it, it, it? It's a little bit of that vibe, I think. I think we're kind of just broadening, I want to say horizons, but that's the wrong word. Well, <laughs> but we're, we're becoming more open about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, the reason I ask is because you there are more and more. There's more and more of these groups um, popping up all over the place and there's so much amazing support but the stats still show three quarters of all suicides are male. We're still on this podcast talking about men's mental health. There's Movember talking about men's physical health because we're still not doing that as men, just being even being equal, being okay with not being okay and looking for support. When we recognize we're not okay, we're not, you know we're still bearing our head in the majority but it's by the looks of it so i think it's
1: because i like you know from my perspective whenever i speak to guys now it's like they hit the download yes. button so yes. like my perception a little bit now is that people are willing to talk about it because christ last week alone you know like my phone's gone off from several different people not who are just friends or other people that i've come across and even strangers i've bumped into who just seem to press download hmm. And you stand there and you're like wow okay where's this coming from so it feels like it's opening up more people are talking more but um yeah you know the the broader picture the bigger picture yeah you probably you know it's still a long way to go to get people actively doing it
3: well one of the things occurred to me this morning when i heard kelly holmes talking and saying that in 2006 she was having a breakdown and there was no such thing as mental health you know even and that's 15 years ago really give or take a couple of years so in 15 years have we progressed enough
0: i mean i think it's i think that i don't think we've progressed enough Uh, that's clear from the statistics and from the fact that we're having this conversation we certainly haven't progressed enough and i think there is still a big issue with men talking about mental health yes we know we can talk about it now we we've been told the campaigns have been out there we've been shown that it's okay some of the big celebrities have come out and said look i've been struggling with issues follow my example so we know that we can but i think there's still a big issue with it and i think there's always a lot of banter in the workplace around mental health particularly between men um like i said i come from trades background and there's there's a lot of banter you almost mock mental health even now today you almost mock it but then actually when it comes down to it people still people will take you seriously and that's coming from very much a laddish environment that i'm talking from yes we will mock it yes we will banter it but actually when it comes down to it if you ask most people are there to support you if you open up so i don't know i mean just, does does it stop other people maybe talking about their well-being and their mental health when they hear other people joking about it for me it normalizes it it almost makes it okay. Um, but does that do that for everybody, you know? I mean, we've all been there where you where you've got the adverts on the radios and then you make a joke about it or anything like that. I mean, do you guys find that from places where you've worked that it's been a bit of a bit of a joke, mental health, particularly between men? I, I think
2: obviously going back to my comedy days, it was always used you use comedy to kind of talk about a subject and um and but yeah, I think you're right. When I've I've worked in construction, and and it was never discussed then. Um, it wasn't. It, it was just something that you you didn't talk about, and it was hidden. Um, and and it is that it is that case of trying to find the people that you can talk to about mental health. That's I think the the key. I, th- um, I
3: think one of the big things, Peter, is going back to my generation. You sore mental health issues, depression, anxiety, things like that. It's almost catching. So you didn't want to get too involved because yeah. you, you might you might get it yourself almost. It felt yeah. like it was a virus if so everybody, if you had it, it's a bit like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody I've got COVID because I want me be able to go to work. Does that make it, well, you know, we and and then we've now gone to got a spectrum of Christopher who tells everybody everything because that's the right thing to do. And then you've got people from a different generation going, I'm not sharing anything. And there's a real button of hedge. I know that in the past, I've heard people joking about stuff because it's always easier to to take the mick out of stuff than deal with it. All right. And then when I've got an issue, it's like, I can't talk about it because they don't take this seriously. And now they'll, they'll use me as their joke so when you overhear people talking about you if you're at work and i think we talked about this a few podcasts ago you hear people at work slagging off a colleague and then you're in a predicament you can't talk to that person because you know they're likely to be slagging you off when you're not there yeah so all of a sudden it's like i want to talk to people but this is what they were laughing about all the way down the motorway
0: yeah and you said something interesting that's called caught my attention you said that my generation will talk about everything i don't think that's necessarily true i think we're more aware and certainly in my background in my experience what tends to happen if somebody's struggling with something and it's obvious and you can and you know it and you know it's not always obvious but if somebody has got problems at home you don't necessarily they don't necessarily want to come and talk about it but you are aware and you sort of they, they want to come to work and get on with their work. They don't necessarily want work to be the place they talk about it, but you're aware of it. So you're more sensitive towards it. You you take it on quietly. You know, that's almost what I would say. It's not something to be ashamed of. You go, you, somebody will come to work and it's, they're down about something and it's, it's everything okay, mate. And then, yeah, I've just got some stuff going at home. i would rather not talk about, it, I just want to get on with work, my work. And it's like, fair enough. Okay. So, The conversation about where they're struggling still isn't happening, but we're more sensitive to their needs in that instant, I think. So it's not, I don't think everybody's an open book, but I think it's more okay to not be okay. Not necessarily to talk about it.
3: So I don't know about Ben being an ex-police murderer or Peter being, you know, from a generation thing. We was always told to leave that at the door.
0: Yeah, and I think that's still a strong feeling. I think that's still and, a, a but strong can't. moral people live by. You know, I think a lot of people still go work for work, leave your home at home. You know, and I you think can't that's, do that. No, but I think doesn't that's work still, like that. it absolutely doesn't. And I think that is still a big thing people do. Um, and I think it's—I actually think it's helpful for some people in some certain circumstances. You know, I mean, certainly anyone... when... Go on, Ben. Because uh, I'm laughing because this—this is a conversation I've
1: literally just had. With a friend two three days ago, and saying that they compartmentalize their life, so their family doesn't know their problems because they don't need to know them. You don't take their problems into work because you shouldn't you shouldn't bother people at work with your personal problems, and they view themselves as being really good at dealing with crisis and situations in their life, and I'm sat there on the outside going, "Well, not really, because <laughs> it looks like a fucking disaster from where I'm sat. And the the reason it is, is because you don't talk about it. You don't connect things at home. You don't let people in. And going to work and sharing stuff with people at work, yeah, okay, you can argue, as long as it doesn't impact your work, is what people focus on. But you need that place with your mates, your work colleagues or whoever, where you can release some of that. Otherwise, you're just this pressure cooker waiting to pop.
3: Yeah, and and, and as we now know, because can't really compartmentalize things it just adds up like you say until something gives and then work all of a sudden works over pressurizing you and you have a bad home life because it explodes there or vice versa or or your physical health or your mental health so we, we 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 you know we know the brain doesn't work like that but people do still think like that but we're being told by other people one of the things i find around a lot of why we don't share is because people are selfish. Mm. If you tell me your problems, I'm going to have to deal with it. So people are selfish. If you go on about how challenging life is for you in the job where I'm your boss, I'm going to have to change it. So I don't want to know, you know, I was told by a HR professional and they were very high up in a, in a big, big, big business that half of the HR work was working out how much it would cost to get rid of people who were not able to do what they need to do, not because of their job, but because of their mental health issue. That was seen as a problem. Mental health was how much do we have to pay to get rid of it? And that's, you know, and I'm talking in the last five years in big organisations, so and then you talk on a smaller scale that if you tell me your problems i've got to support you so don't talk about it which is different to me being a burden it's like you're making it clear that you talk to me you're you're burdening me do you think that's true or is it just my view i think i think uh, for me i think it, it comes i think there's an element of truth in what you're saying there and i think i think
1: there's some good points but i think it comes back to weakness and not being able to talk because it, it shows you as being weak, which is why I think people compartmentalise it. People feel that they're going to be judged, diminished, and branded with something because they talk about their mental health.
3: Okay. So can I make a suggestion, not for this podcast, but for our a future podcast, very future, very near, um, we actually have a discussion about, why is mental health weakness what makes mental health a weakness
1: but you know in terms of health i think there's lots of angles on men's health and we haven't even today we haven't even touched on things like sexual health because that again is a whole other element to that that comes into play but there is a big issue around guys keeping that shopping list not feeling like they can go to the doctors talk about it from a a medical point of view which for me uh, i guess because i work in the ambulance service and i see people in a medical setting everybody's got the same body parts whether you're male or female it's not a big deal it's just who we are as human beings and if you've got something wrong it's generally really simple to fix if you get it dealt with early on if you leave it it becomes a problem and that gets more complex as time progresses to to rectify and, and sort out um, and why suffer why live a life where you suffer and actually you could just get yourself checked over have peace of mind and go you know even you see it a lot on the tradey stuff so like i think it was screw fix who had that campaign a few years ago saying don't be a spanner checking nuts." yeah, yeah. To reduce the stigma around it and you every time you bought something you got a sticker to put on your toolbox or whatever that said exactly that yeah um and it just you know it makes me laugh because it's comical really when you look at what blokes are about and the way we can behave as, and how outrageous we can be or if you think of the sports setting locker rooms like rugby you all jump in a bath together after the match
3: yeah we'll walk around
1: completely stark naked but yet someone can't talk about whether they've got a problem downstairs
3: no but we're as a as somebody who's been involved in rugby and an ex-serviceman their sexual double and are even worse and the physical messing around you might do in, in in rugby and it's like how can you do that When you can't do that. And it's almost like, well, we do this because I can do it because I'm tougher than you or I'm as tough as you or I'm an equal. So we can be really sexual in a way because I'm not scared of anything and I can mess around. But then it's like go in that room and let a doctor check you out. It's like, well, I'm not doing that because they might think I'm gay. Some of the things you've done in the changing room, makes you, you know, look worse than anything you'll do for your health. Everybody knows it's not true. It is what it is. But weirdly, the whole game changes when you move from one scenario to another. It's amazing, really, isn't it? It, Like you
0: said, there's all so many campaigns that have been put out there and it still hasn't changed the overall mindset. It, it's bizarre. It really is, and it perplexes me. Maybe the new campaigns need to be showing that it's actually braver and more manly to go and do these things. I mean, I don't know if anybody will ever... if people will ever get that through their heads, but it is, it is braver and manlier to actually put your hand up and say, yes, I need some help. Actually, I'm not happy about something. I need to get checked with something, you know. It takes a real man to actually do it is my my opinion and then all these people putting out there like what you've said is oh i don't want to feel like i'm a bit gay or i don't want I to i ain't gonna let some random bloke stick his finger up my bum and things like that it's, get over it what are you talking about you know yeah. you're, you're acting more of a little sissy for yeah. lack of a better word than if you just went and got on with it you know um, I think Pete wanted to say something there. I did. I wanted to
2: just pick up on the word "brave" there that you used because I think that's a lot of that is really good. You know, when I, when I look back at times when I didn't go to the doctor, it was because I had that fear of, will it be that I, I'm going to be ill? I don't want to be ill. You know, and and you you put these blockers into your own head, and it and it is. I think it's the sensible word is to say to men now: you need to be brave and go and show. That you're not well, and that I think is a really good good word that you use there, Chris. And I just wanted to point out—I'm sure there's
0: an anagram in there somewhere. Balls, yeah. ass—I don't know. I'm sure that I'm sure there's I'm sure there's an anagram in, in the word brave somewhere. Brave and boys balls. talk balls. Yeah. yeah,
3: all the things you need to get checked. Only, only, only brave boys play with their balls. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's interesting because I watched The Voice on Saturday night, and there was a contestant a really old chap, and or an older chap, sorry, and he uh, was talking about that he does a lot of work with suicide prevention, and only murders just broke down. Mm. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I saw that. And, you know, other people go, oh, look at him. But he felt really sad. He thought about a friend who he'd lost, um, and it really really upset him and it was okay to be upset he got over it he got you know got back on track but in that moment that situation he didn't try to man it out as people would say he didn't man up he went that's really upset me it's really made me remember something really awful and in this moment i feel sad and i don't care what you think millions of people watching they didn't edit it out
0: No, and do you know what? That makes me think of... I mean, we've not long had Remembrance Day. Um, If you're watching a Remembrance Parade on TV or if you're at a Remembrance Parade and you see a member of the forces stood there at attention with a tear rolling down his face, you're not going to stand there and say, he's a weak man, are you? You're not going to stand there and say, look at that sissy. You're going to say, wow. You know, and that's the attitude we need to have across the board with this sort of thing. You know, we need to go, actually... That is the the um, approach we need to have to mental well-being. Uh, men's health, mental well-being, and everything under that category. Mm. It is It takes a real man I, to I, say something.
3: We're, we're all therapists by day. And when somebody makes a phone call or whatever and books in to see me, that's the bravest thing they can do. Coming to see me is nowhere near as making that first contact that first contact is the hardest step they'll ever take. And that takes some real courage. I'm going to take my hat off to everybody who actually puts a hand up and go, I need some help. I really need some support.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite sayings is it, sorry, it's not bravery unless it's something that scares you first. I mean, you can't be brave if you're not scared of it. Yeah. you know, That's one of my favorite sayings. It takes you, it, being brave doesn't mean not being afraid or awkward or um uneasy about things. That's not what bravery is. Bravery is feeling those things and doing it anyway. You yeah. know? And that is men's well being in general. You know, you have to take that brave step to say, I need help. I mean so, it'd be nice if we didn't if it wasn't, you know, it'd be nice if it was easy for everybody.
3: What would you do to make it easier for someone to put their hand up? or to look for something
0: i don't think there's one answer for everything
3: for everyone you
0: know i mean we i mean peter and i both said that actually joking and making comedy about these issues helps us it actually breaks the tension breaks the ice mm. but for somebody else that might put them off but what's so the I don't dif- think there's one so, answer
3: but we talked about the difference i think between comedy and breaking the ice and starting a narrative and banter and then weaponizing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But even what's banter and a joke to us might not be to the next person. So I don't think there's one answer for all.
3: I think keep the campaigns going, keep doing that, keep normalising it. So what will you do, Ben, to make it easier for someone just to focus a little bit more on what they need?
1: I think... um... What I, what's in my mind is I think about when I te- when I get clients come for therapy and I say to them, it's a safe place. It's got to be relaxed. It's somewhere that you can come and curl up like you're going from home to home. So I think it's about, for me, it's about highlighting to people that when you do come and talk about it or or you, you want to get help, whether that's for a physical thing like with the doctor or you come in for your mental health side of it, <laughs>
3: We don't broadcast it across the front pages of the press. So we know we don't do that, but what one tip would you give or what what idea have you got to make it a little bit easier for someone just to go, how can I do this? How can I ask for help?
1: Talk about it more, I guess. And and from my perspective, bring it... To the forefront a bit more in in the things that i do and and open the conversations
3: up okay peter what would you do to make it easier for generations of men to just go yeah me too i need some help
2: i think the really nice thing that i i tend to get with a lot of clients is that they feel like they're broken when they come in and it's explaining to them that you're not broken so i think that message needs to come out a bit more to say you're not broken you're not this is the way our brains and this is the way our bodies are are designed to protect us you can come and talk about it and it won't be judged and i think that's that's the thing the message that i kind of want to get out to people
3: so more education yeah what about you chris
0: yeah I, i completely agree with what you guys have all said really it is keep going with that education educate young i think that's something i, I say a lot come i've said it on many other podcasts and i come back to a lot is start that education young start before the problems educate it before the problem so when the problems start coming in you can recognize it i mean we talked to uh, early in this podcast about how do you know when you're um, exercising and gym going is becoming a problem It it's educating that so we can recognize our own feelings and our own well-being before the problem becomes a problem, you know. So I think educate young is really key.
3: Yeah, one of one of the things you know what I know from doing the work we do, you can't ever get rid of competition. It's a natural, inbuilt part of being human that we've always got to have a hierarchy in every level of society and every level of family and everything. We've always competed. And that's why you have sibling rivalry and all sorts. It's not a choice. We can try and make it a choice, but ultimately it won't be whether in corporates or whatever. But I think if you can recognize and be more authentic, then that's easier, rather than trying to be like someone else. So I think it's about, for me, finding a way of showing people their own values, what they bring to the world, rather than what they need to be to fit in with the world. And it's just trying to educate people, and I think that still starts really young, like you said, education. But actually, doing, you know, like Ben says, from our point of view, is sharing that message that it's okay to be you and, and follow your values and your beliefs, and you don't have to be, follow mine. Yeah, that's good. So that's what I would suggest.
0: Oh. Well, I think that's about us done for today, isn't
3: it? Yeah, I think so.
0: Excellent. So, as always, if you want to need support um, or want to reach out, you can find us at InspiredToChange.biz. Um, everybody have enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you for listening.
3: Yeah, thank you.
1: Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye, bye.
3: Thank you for listening to our podcast. That proves men do talk.
1: If you would like more information or support, then please visit
3: inspiredtochange.biz
0: where you can learn more about us and the Inspired to Change team. And remember, the conversation continues on our social media, Inspired Mentor.